we're going back to the music. Yeah, huh? we talk about the movie. Yeah, this is like a you know more like a musical score though than a Bonnie Raitt kind of. Deal. Yeah, well, it's like you know Annette. The dialogue is sung. Yeah. Yeah, My name is Corey Kraft. My name is Rachel Morgan. Let's talk about some movies. Movies. I wonder how many, I'd love to do, I wish there was some quantitative way to just figure out how many people drop just when they hear that well, singing Well, before start. you turn this off, <laughs> we'd like to thank our sponsor, Revelator Coffee, yes. uh, who's just joined us as a sponsor for Side Talks. So don't let our singing drive drive you away from, from listening to this. And if it does... At the very least, go to Revelator and get some coffee and, and talk about how much you hate the podcast. Well, I would say that Revelator coffee will guarantee to make you like us more. Well, Just it would drinking have to. it would, yeah, it's going to yeah, make delicious. you like us more. So um, anyway, get your Revelator coffee and let's talk about the movies. For over one million years, Rachel and Corey have talked. And now they share with you one of the greatest accomplishments of all time. Their list of the top 200 films. All right. We are in our top 24 movies of all time. So exciting. So crazy. We are starting today with number 24. Do you want to kick things off? I will absolutely kick things off. But also, I want to just point out really quickly that we didn't say our names in the intro, but Brad gives us a wonderful intro to our top 200. So just just to reiterate, I'm Rachel Morgan, your Corey Craft. That's right. We talk about movies, um, <laughs> and we'll just leave it at that. But uh, my number 24 is the one, the only Goodfellas, directed hey. by Martin Scorsese. Just a, just a great, great film. And I think you asked me before if Casino was my favorite Scorsese film. Yes. And I said yes. Strangely, I have Goodfellas higher on the list. Hmm. I still kind of feel though, like I would, it's weird. It's one of those things where I'm like, I don't think I would move. Maybe this is contradictory, but I don't think I'd move Casino further up. Yeah. I think I might like it better, but I think, you know, when it's always, when it all shakes out, the Goodfellas just sort of deserves a higher spot. If that, that makes, does that make sense? That does make sense. They are companion pieces in some ways to, um, no, I get that. I get okay. that. But, but I think unquestionably Goodfellas, I mean, from my perspective, um, what a what a lightning bolt of a movie that is. Yeah, I mean, just just striking. Yeah, popular culture. I mean, there's not there was never really anything like it before. It it you know burst onto the scene. I totally. mean, you had mafia movies, right? Obviously, Scorsese himself had worked in that territory, yeah. but nothing like this. Just the, nothing the, like this. Thelma Schoonmacher editing. I mean, um, the the direction, the performances, everything about it is top notch. Yeah, I mean, just and so. At the time, so fresh, so innovative, so interesting. And you just don't have things like Sopranos without this. No, you just of do not. not. I mean, look at how many cast members right. from Goodfellas right. are in the that Sopranos. That alone, that alone, right? Lorraine Bracco. <laughs> that alone. So what's your number uh, 24? It's another um, <laughs> wildly influential, informative film. Um, this to the to the horror genre. Um, from the master of suspense, Alfred Hitchcock, yeah. Psycho. I, yes, I mean, yes, yes. Think about all the movies that wouldn't exist if Psycho uh, didn't come out in 1960 and completely blow everybody's minds. I mean, you look at Psycho as kind of a proto-slasher movie in some ways, right? Hmm. Yeah. Um, 
and it, it sort of revolutionized not only film storytelling with the little switcheroo, you know, oops, turns out Marion Crane is not the lead character of this movie yep. uh, that happens about halfway through it. But, less but, than halfway. Well, I mean, that's true. You know, yeah, very like much a third less of the than halfway. Yeah. Um, but it also revolutionized, and this is, you know, no small point. Uh, exhibition because totally, uh, totally you know, Hitchcock uh, said, no, you can't come in after my movie has started to preserve that twist. And so, you know, it's almost single-handedly responsible for a shift in how people approach film uh, and going to see film. Oh, I'm not going to wander in halfway through a movie, sit there, uh, watch it to the end and then stick around and watch the first half anymore. Um, so, you know, good for, good for old uh, Hitchcock there for, uh, for doing that, I guess. Yeah, I mean, completely revolutionizes the way people watch films. Like as you mentioned, the the ex- exhibition totally revolutionizes film marketing. Yeah, um, and also, you know, this is one of the this is one of the big sort of uh, standalone films that is there in support of autourism. Oh, so totally. you're going to have a, this is a film that is going to come along, and you're going to have such a massive wave of change in the in the industry because of this one damn film. And it was low budget, shot down and dirty with the crew of his Alfred Hitchcock presents TV series on the Universal backlot. I mean, come it's a on. genius freaking film. It's, it's the best. It's the best. So, um, you know. A little sidestep away from that. Uh, we're on number 23, am That's I correct? correct. Yeah. And my number 23 is a, a film from 2013 called Borgman. <laughs> you know, um, <laughs> this is a Sidewalk alum, right? This is a Sidewalk alum I, film. I still have never seen Borgman. Oh, it's so good, Corey. It's so freaking good. I, I really want you to see this thing. It is weird. It is... Uh, Kind of, I don't want to call it terrifying because I don't really find it scary, but I do find it damn chilling as yeah. hell. Such a great film, such a great film. So yeah, that's that's where I'm gonna land. I think Hitchcock would like that film, so it kind of makes sense to cool. go from yours to mine. Cool. Well, um, I don't know how Hitchcock felt about my number twenty three. I don't know. He probably found some sick humor in it because it is sickly humorous. It's one of the most influential uh, dark comedies of all time. Uh, from Stanley the Manly, our friend Stanley Kubrick, Dr. Strangelove, or How I Learned to Stop Worrying and Love the Bomb, um, a movie that I watched. I don't know. This is probably believable. It's kind of a weird thing to say, but I watched this movie so many times when I was a teenager um, because I I had my own bleak sense of humor. I still have my own bleak sense of humor. Um, But talk about uh, another wildly influential movie um uh, just laughing and making fun of the absurdity of nuclear combat at the height of the cold war immediately after the assassination of a united states president um just the 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 brass balls that it takes to even conceptualize this movie much less make it um i it it can't be overstated um and it's still hilarious everything about it is still hilarious you have peter sellers in three roles you have george c scott chewing every bit of scenery um and there's a lot of scenery to be chewed in the war room um you've got slim pickens as (laughs) the hilarious like rodeo pilot um god i mean just it it just works splendidly yeah and this is one of jeff morgan's favorite films my father as it should be well you know you mentioned a film that takes some some guts, so to speak. I'll use a more politically correct term. Sure. Um, to 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 make and uh, don't get mad. Uh oh. Nobody get angry with me. Nobody do a wellness check. I'm all right. 
this film that is next on my list and represents number 22, am I right? Yep. Is Dogtooth. Uh, I love Dogtooth. <laughs> I've always thought that, like, <laughs> um, the furor over Dogtooth, I've never really understood it. It's brilliant. It's such a good it's movie. It's brilliant. People have, you know, people get real funny when you start talking about things like incest. They just get a little fussy. <laughs> Oh, you you throw up one <laughs> unsimulated sex scene in a movie, and all of a sudden people get all up in their feelings. Um, but it uh, is brilliant. I yeah. mean, it's just one of the most wildly original, like, yeah, dark, uh, but wildly original stories uh, from um, now hilariously Oscar-nominated director uh, who went legit with The Favorite. Yeah, um, indeed. Great imaginary director. Love him very much. <laughs> Can't help it. Sorry. Hate all you want, haters. That's right. Hate all you want, haters. Speaking of hate all you want, haters, number 22, you've already told the story because this movie just turned up on your list, but my number 22 is Twin Peaks Firewalk With Me from David Lynch. Um, When it came out, roundly rejected by critics and audiences alike, the fools. Idiots. now I think it's rightly held up as, as a secret masterpiece from him. Just yeah, a great movie. they were wrong. They were dude. so wrong. They were wrong, dude. They weren't getting it. We were all getting it. How high you... school me was getting it. <laughs> they weren't getting it. How you can watch this movie and not come away saying Cheryl Lee gives one of the best performances 100%. ever? I don't understand because that performance is incredible. Everything about it is incredible. Um, it's just Lynch horror vibes through and through. Um, it's not the sort of at times bubbly and hilarious sort of take that the original television series had because it's a story about the destruction of Laura Palmer and boy does Cheryl Lee take you uh, through every agonizing step of that journey. Um, It's terrifying, but it It is, is, there's nothing like it. I mean, that that's a common refrain, I guess on this, this part of the list, but nobody makes films like David Lynch and they frankly shouldn't even try. Yeah, this thing is eerie. Let me also say really quickly, this thing, you, you can't even say it's ahead of its time because in some ways it's like it's ahead of its time and this is why the critics can't come around to it. But I'm actually, I think that's a dangerous thing to say with this film because I actually think what this film does is it it's so innovative that it, it changes the times, yeah. right? That I think yeah. it has. I think it has this sort of ripple effect on cinema history and the and the works that were to come. That you know, it's not even just ahead of its time. That's not really what it is. It it just it kind of shifts. It shifts everything in its direction. So anyway, great film. Um, my number twenty one is another great film that I think is incredibly innovative, and uh, didn't didn't have a lot of critical uh, miscalculations. And that is Sean Baker's The Florida Project. Yeah, people seem to correctly love this movie when it came out, <laughs> as they should. I think it's a great hero film. Yeah, it is. Uh, the you know the hero shot in the parking lot that got played over and over again, mm-hmm. got played over and over again for a reason. Uh, Willem Dafoe's character. It is a great everyday person's. You know, he just, it's a celebration of a person who is never, ever celebrated in those moments. Now, that's not what this film is about. Do not get me wrong. But it is one of the threads in this film that I think is so miraculous. And just, and and what I love about the fact that it is such a minor thread is that it comes and goes as quickly as as the glory in our lives does. Yeah, that's well put. It it really does. So I'm in love with this film. I think it's amazing. What's not to love? I mean, Defoe... 
gave my favorite performance of that year in this movie in, yeah. in 2017. I mean, it just an incredible, incredible performance in an incredible movie. New Sean Baker movie coming out this fall. Man, I can't from wait. From our friends at A24. Let's go, Red Rocket. Let's cannot get it. cannot wait. And also, the end of this thing is the biggest fuck you uh, that came out that year. Oh, man. And so I, I celebrate that as well. It's anyway. heartbreaking. It's heartbreaking, heartbreaking. And just, I mean, I don't want to overstate it because, you know, come you, on. You want your a, magic kingdom? But it is a courageous. Here it it's is. a courageous moment on yeah. film. It just God, is. Anyway, passing it to you now. I no. can't. Talk, I could talk about the Florida Project from now until you know the end of the world. Well, my number twenty-one is a movie that has been talked about from now until the end of the <laughs> world. So I don't know how much more I could possibly say about it. It is a movie from my boys, Joel and Ethan, the Coen oh, brothers. Shocker. Yep, they're back. <laughs> They'll be back a couple more times before this list is over. Um, this one is uh, their um, largely maligned at the time, but now overwhelmingly, overwhelmingly beloved to the point that it's perhaps overpraised, The Big Lebowski. Yeah. Um, but like, look, it's The Big Lebowski. The reason The Big Lebowski is The Big Lebowski is because it's the best. Oh. Um, and it's hilarious. And even though everybody has quoted every single line right. in this movie over and over again to the point that you just kind of want to punch people when they talk about the big Lebowski sit down and watch this movie and you'll see oh yeah no it's still untouchable it's the Coen brothers they're at the top of their game in it and it's hilarious I don't disagree with you it doesn't it it it's not that it's not it isn't that I don't love this film it's that I feel like everybody else has already it's that everybody else has already covered it everybody it. else has already given it it's love and I don't need to do that, but it is a great film and it is indeed no matter how much you eye roll when it's on and you're looking at it, you're like, damn, okay, it's good. Yep. Yep. It's good. I mean the, the car, the car destruction scene, <laughs> you know, John Goodman, I just, yeah, there's so many moments, my but, fucking that, car. but that one, damn. Okay. Yeah. So my number 20 is a film that we just talked about not that long ago. It is Toby Hooper, question mark, Toby <laughs> Hooper's question mark, Poltergeist. Yeah, Poltergeist is so good. Oh, so good. And I come back to it time and time again. And I I love to show my students the chair scene uh-huh. because it is a perfect example of what you can do with a $5 bill. <laughs> yeah. How much you can chill an audience. You can hit genre right upside its head. You can tell a story with just some chairs and some actors. It's yeah. fucking amazing. Move a camera, get some PAs on set to arrange some chairs in a certain way, move the camera back, boom, jump scare. That's and, and that takes amazing. nothing. And it's amazing. Yeah. It's and the I, best. as a kid that grew up in the suburbs and a suburb that looked a lot like the suburbs <laughs> and Poltergeist, that film came right for me. That film was like, Rachel Morgan, I'm coming for your ass. You see this scary clown? <laughs> this scary clown is in your closet right now. My parents had had a really good year and we built a pool. Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> this film came for me, everyone. It fucking came for that's, me. That's great. And I love it. And it is a it, for anybody who didn't live through the eighties, this is this is suburbia in the eighties. It is fucking on screen. It is yeah. brilliant. I worship this film. Moving on. Yeah, it rules. Number twenty on my list is okay, so if I have to single out one movie from Richard Linklater's before trilogy, I am singling out the second. Before Sunset, um, which is not only my favorite of that trilogy, it's probably my favorite Richard Linklater movie. Yeah. Um, there is something about the the sort of 
melancholy of catching back up with Jesse and Celine after the events of Before Sunrise, which are so hopeful and optimistic. And yeah, we will meet here in a year and we will reconnect and we will perhaps start a ro- romance. Well, you catch up with them later in their lives when they are a little bit more disillusioned and you see, no, that didn't happen. And they meet up and they, you know, it's just 80 minutes of them dancing around the the missed connection, right? The pain um, and and the sadness, perhaps, of, of having let uh, a, a true love get away from each yeah. of them. Um, and there's something about that that is so exquisitely performed and yeah. written. Uh, I love everything about this movie. And then we revisit them again. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, it's not nine years end, later. It's not end. Um, God, and I, I love all three of the movies, needless to say, because they, they represent three distinct ideas about relationships. Yeah. And um, and there's just something about the, the, the wistfulness and the melancholy about Before Sunset that strikes me more. Oh, that'd be a fun little series at the cinema for Valentine's Day this year. <laughs> Let me keep that in mind. <laughs> kind of an anti-Valentine's Day slash Valentine's Day moment. Um, okay, my number 19, if you will, is a tiny little film that should be watched by way more people than it has been. Uh, no no slight to this film. It, it had a great festival run, don't get me wrong. A lot, a lot, of, a lot, of, uh, a lot of play and a lot of eyes have seen it, but still more should. Um, and that is from 2009, Zach Clark's Modern Love is Automatic. Oh, yeah. About a nurse that um, moonlights as a dominatrix. <laughs> nice. Yeah, it's nice. a great film. It is a. I thought it was so high energy, so energetic, so different. Just jumped off the screen at me the year we programmed this, and uh, I don't. It's just fucking amazing. Yeah, and Zach Clark, of course, has been to Sidewalk many times. Many times, many yeah. times. So Zach, you've got a great spot on this list, and it's well deserved. Nice. Nice. Uh, well, my number 19 is not a small title, and it is not a movie that needs any more discussion. Again, um, it's perhaps <laughs> um, largely regarded by many as the greatest film of all time, uh, Orson Welles' Citizen Kane. Citizen Kane. Kane. <laughs> Citizen uh, Kane. But, like, look, I know that Citizen Kane is a cliche, like, people who – talk about the best movies ever made or their favorite movies ever made. They're just like, well, Citizen Kane, I mean, obviously he's on my list. And I know that I sound like a pretentious asshole for no, having it in my top 20, but the no, fact of the matter is the movie is amazing. Go make a better fucking movie. Yeah, sit hey, down and watch hey, Citizen asshole, Kane. You think it's pretentious? You think you think that Citizen Kane shouldn't be in the top 20 of somebody's list? Go make a fucking better movie. <laughs> now get in a time machine, go be 21 years old and make a fucking better movie when the entire universe is against you. Uh, and it yep. does that shit doesn't even matter. That's the best part. Right. None of that shit even matters. It's so good. This is the one. This is probably the best film ever made, y'all. It's uh, probably the best fucking movie ever made. Wells is like, I don't understand lenses. How do these work? And gets together with one of the best cinematographers of all time, Greg Toland, who's like, I've got this deep focus thing. That you people w- still don't know how he yeah, did it. They no, still no, don't know how he fucking did it. There is technique in this movie that is beyond most like amazing filmmakers. And this son of a bitch did it when he was in his early 20s. I love this film. I love showing this film to film students Me and saying, too. I'm about to show you something. You will never be better than this. You will never <laughs> fucking be better than this. None of us will. Bow on your fucking knees to this movie. Yep. It is, it's just the best. It remains the best. It is incredibly entertaining. Um, it's not like... I think a lot of people think of classic cinema sometimes as medicine that they have to take, but no. Citizen listen, Kane if you don't like medicine. this film, suck my dick. <laughs> well, you heard it from from Rachel Morgan here, folks. Um, 
but yeah, my number 19. Uh, <laughs> love, love Citizen Kane. Okay, well, you know, just... Not quite at this level, um, but but uh, my number we're on number I'm on I should be on number eighteen. You're right? on number eighteen. I'm on number eighteen. My number eighteen is Ghost World. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, not quite on the level of Citizen Kane, but a damn damn uh, great movie. Terry's Wagoff. Uh, I I love it. It's so watchable. It's so and I can't tell you the number of times I say probably in a week, multiple times in a week, I say it was like Ghost World. It's like a Ghost World moment. It just it is such a he manages to catch and capture on screen the absurdity of life yeah. in this country so frequently and I just I freaking I freaking love this thing. So it's a great film. If you've never seen it, if somehow you've never seen it, and I would imagine most of our listeners have, but if somehow you haven't, go watch it right freaking now. There's it's a amazing. wonderful criterion Blu-ray. Also, I I've never felt more seen Especially right? as I get older, <laughs> than by the the Steve Buscemi character in Ghost oh, World. Oh, that character exists in this world. I don't think it's quite you, Corey. Like, I, I no, don't, he's a little I, bit I mean, more misanthropic. Well, also, you're you're married. That's um, true. I mean, he's a lonely he's a lonely guy. Um, but this, I definitely knew. That's what's funny is I definitely knew this dude. This dude went to Wuxtry Records <laughs> when I was in high school, a hundred freaking percent. Um, he exists in the world for sure. 100%. And it's, it's such a fun movie. It really captures a particular type of sense of humor that's shared by, you know, s- some folks. And and if you share it, then you get it. And it is, it, it's rare to find. Yep. So, yeah. Strongly film. agree. Well, my number 18 is one of my favorite melodramas uh, from 1948, the great French director Max Ophels. Um, and it's his English language film, Letter from an Unknown Woman. Now, this is probably one of the least remembered or least seen movies in my top 20. But if you've not seen this movie, it is one of the most beautiful and heartbreaking things you will ever see, anchored by just an extraordinary performance from the late, great Joan Fontaine, who plays the lead role in this um, from uh, being a teenage girl to, you know, later in life as an adult woman. Um, And it it traces her doomed sort of unrequited love for a conceited, self-absorbed piano player um, who doesn't even know she exists. And it's, it, it just captures uh, that that sort of unrequited love feeling better than just about any movie I've ever seen. It's amazing. Yeah. It's just amazing. Yeah. Well, my number 17, everybody stop what you're doing. Get on your knees. Bow down. It is time to bow down to the one and only Amy Heckerling's <laughs> Fast Times at Ridgemont High. Nice. Yeah. Great film. What could I even say? It is perfect yeah it is perfect and it the thing that i don't think that it gets enough recognition for here in 2021 is how much it changed the teen movie genre yeah i mean i think that's definitely true people look at fast times now and they're like this is where a lot of really great actors got their start sure but true. It, it which is you know objectively true um because it's got an amazing cast but but that the sort of the Cameron Crowe sort of on the ground reporting what it means to to feel like a teen and be like a teen at that era um, is really revolutionary I, I, it, and exceptional. I mean, it's a really great movie. And hard to pull off. So there's a lot of pushback on the sex scenes in this film. Yeah. 
And it these are these are some of the most like high school level realistic sex scenes that you're going to see. They're uncomfortable. They're weird. They're brief. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Um. And you know, I think it really they're dark. They are. Dark. They're dark. Everything and with Jennifer Jason Lee's character is just like dark. oh, it's the most cringeworthy stuff you've yeah. ever seen. And um, you know, here's a film that's a teen film that for the first time ever has this kind of realistic, not sexy sex scenes. These are the mo- these are some of the most unsexy sex scenes ever. Yeah, and, and we have those, and there's you know, there's also an abortion scene, and mm-hmm. there's uh, it's just it's it it's a great freaking film, and all of that, by the way, is wrapped around a lot of really funny shit. Mm-hmm. So anyway, I, what what else can I say, man? This film is the best. Yeah, it's really really great. People should check it out if you haven't seen I it. I mean, if but you haven't seen it, and if you and if you have, see it again and again and again and again. I I need to see it again. It's been a long time, and I would like to see it again. Yeah. It's been it's been so long. Yeah. All right, we'll close things out today with my number seventeen from two thousand seven, which is probably one of the best modern movie years. This film is called The Assassination of Jesse James by the Coward Robert Ford, starring Brad Pitt and Casey Affleck. Rachel rolling her eyes dramatically. It's so. just – it had to be. It's not that I dislike this film. Uh-huh. It's just it, – it is it is four hours too long. But other than that, <laughs> I don't dislike it. But it is so got to be on your list, dude. I just knew it was going to be on your list. And high up there, too. Yeah, it's and way high up there. Masterpiece, one of the best Westerns in recent vintage Um a story about you know mythology and uh, the legend versus reality, about um, loneliness, about envy, um, and about what to do when you get what you've wished for your whole life and it turns out to be super shitty and you don't want to be there anymore. Um, two amazing performances at the center of this thing from Pitt and Affleck. Casey and a- Affleck is a predator. Go ahead. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah. I just want to acknowledge it. All right. I'm not saying Fair it can't enough. be on your list. I just think that when we mention, you know, great work by great people who also, while they're working sexually assault folks, we should mention that too. Fair enough. Quit hiring Casey Affleck. But you've also got Jeremy Renner and, and Sam Rockwell and Sam Shepard and Garrett Dillahunt and Paul Schneider and just an excellent cast uh, of supporting roles in this movie that um, that make it super special and yeah. the the cinematography from Roger Deakins is oh, it's beautiful. unparalleled it's, it's beautiful. just the best so that is this latest installment for our top 200 movies of all time we have 16 movies 16 left 16 more and i think we're going to start pumping the brakes a little bit on the number we go through um, when we do this segment but we'll we'll get back to you on that so thanks for listening to these top 200s all at this point all great films to check out to consider let us know what you think podcast at sidewalkfest.com would love to hear from you and now, fast film terms. Whoa, that was fast. That was a really fast film term just ran through here. Woo. Here's an interesting one. Okay. This is a legal term. Okay. Do you know what chain of title refers to? Not in the least. <laughs> so here's what chain of title means. Okay. It is, again, a legal term. It's a reference to sort of a, a clear legal link between source material and works that derive from it. So fan fiction-y kind of shit. Oh, it's obviously fan fiction. Right. You know, and I shouldn't call it shit. I mean, some people do. I mean, did you know that you, as we've talked about before, I think you're aware, Twilight is... Um, no, Fifty Shades 50 is Twilight. Shades, Fifty Shades is, is Twilight yeah, fan fiction. Started but that, that wouldn't be a chain of title because it's not clear. Right. But, you know, something where you have, 
you know, some same character, same universe, and you're trying to sort of do some fan fiction. On My it. fan fiction where Adam Driver and Jake Gyllenhaal um, team up and solve mysteries in a van is an example. Of this, I thought right? you're going to go a different direction than talk about Adam Driver and Jakey Gyllenhaal in a Fifty Shades kind of kind of moment. Well, sure. Which... I, look, hey, look, you jest, but that would sell oh, so many. Are you tickets. kidding me? I'd buy a ticket to that. Everybody would go see that and movie. I, and both those people are terrible. And somehow I just need to see that. Yeah, but like if they were like whipping each other, you'd you'd yeah, be like it. first in like line. It. Yeah. Um, okay, but you know, let's not even go there anymore because I'm actually kind of made me a little nauseous. Um, here's an, here's another one. This is a, this is a gear switch of a, of a fast film term. Okay. This is a lighting term and a very technical one at that, and that is lux. And I'm not talking about the lux cinema that we have here in town, but lux. Yeah. No, I've never heard this either. So that is the amount of illumination that one candle, okay, uh-huh. um, on a surface, one meter away. Oh. Okay. Okay. That makes sense? Yeah, that's very technical, but that does make sense. So and so one foot candle is approximately 10 lux. Okay. And so let me say it again, okay? The amount of illumination one candle casts okay. on a surface. A foot away. One meter away. A meter away. Okay. One meter away. And so one foot candle is approximately 10 lux. So okay. it's very closely connected to the term foot candle, which I will remind you a foot candle, of course, is a standard unit of lighting measurement. Right. That I can get. This yeah. is where it gets more confusing. I'm, you have me up with with foot candle. You have me as a, a standard unit of lighting measurement. I'm good. But it's defined as the amount of illumination one candle casts on a surface one foot away. And okay. so then lux, then again, one foot candle is approximately 10 lux. My head is spinning a little bit, but yeah. I think I follow you. <laughs> yeah. Uh, this is where filmmaking and science really collide. And, mm. you know, that happens frequently, obviously, especially in the world of cinematography and lighting. Um, but this is certainly the case. So wow. those are those are some pretty technical ones to digest. But a whole world of stuff that I've never been exposed to. A whole world to. of stuff. But those are your fast film terms. Well, thank you so much for listening to this episode of Side Talks. We're your own personal cinematic Han Solo and Greedo. Am I saying it right? Greedo? Yes, you are. Han shot first. He did initially. And then George Lucas was like, well, actually, what if Greedo? And, you know, it's a mess. It's a whole mess. Fuck you, Disney. Uh, well, this was pre-Disney. This was still like independent Lucasfilm. Fuck you, George Lucas. I just fucked the whole universe. I well, don't care. Uh, George... George. <laughs> <sighs> anyway, I have feelings. I have you know feelings. who I don't say fuck you to? Who? I feel like this that was actually this really the, the wrong lead in to say, to thank our sponsor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that might have, that might not necessarily fly. Uh, uh, let's we, just pause for a second, Brad, and we'll just kind of get a beat here. We're just okay. Thank you to Revelator Coffee. <laughs> yeah, they're the best. Some really terrific coffee, and we are so happy to have them on as sponsor. Uh, like, seriously, truly. we are. We are. We truly are. And we also don't say fuck you to Boutwell Studios. No, not at all. We love them all. too. We love them um, too. Sometimes I say that to Sam, but only when he <laughs> disagrees with me in the five minute fight. Uh, we couldn't do it without Revelator Coffee, or especially without Boutwell Studios. So thank them so much. And um, yeah, visit us on our socials. At Sidewalk Film on social media, or you just go to SidewalkFest.com where you can see information about what's playing at the cinema because we couldn't do any of this without you, our the listeners. Faithful listener and customer of Sidewalk. Come see some movies with us, y'all. Talk to you later. Bye. Batwell Studios Podcast Division. Your words, our expertise. <laughs>